Awesome, guys. Welcome, everybody. My name's Bates. Welcome to our One Hope Sunday gathering this morning. So great that we can all be in homes together again around our town and, um, yeah, just trusting for a really special morning this morning. Um, I'm going to start with just a few things that we are getting up to around One Hope at this time. And the first one is our annual, uh, not annual, <laughs> monthly prayer and fast. One of our values is that we are a praying people, a prayerful people. And so this coming Tuesday, we have our monthly fast and prayer. And, uh, and be sure to be there. We'll be getting prayer points sent through on Monday, uh, what we're going to be praying for as a community. So that's just a wonderful thing as we pray together this week. And then just a really uh, special moment uh, that we get to share now on video is something really close to my heart. Um, so the 29th of March, uh, I get a call from a friend to go for a walk in the mountain in Kutzenberg. And uh, we're walking and it's myself and a friend and another young man who's in a really uh, difficult uh, situation. Uh, that young man, as we're walking, he starts sharing his story with us. And as he's unpacking it, man, my heart is just breaking. And, uh, and this man is just pouring out his heart in the most beautiful way. And it's, I'll never forget it because it was this beautiful summer's Sunday. Uh, when was it? A Monday, I think, afternoon. Um, as you know, we get in March in uh, Stellenbosch. And we just had the most incredible opportunity to, um, to witness and to be part of this young man's life changing forever. That afternoon, Silver reached out to Jesus and he became a follower of Jesus. And we get the privilege and the joy, I had the joy of baptizing him this past Sunday. And so here's a video uh, just showing some of the highlights of his baptism, which happened last Sunday. Without amazing people like you, things will be very different to me. Three months ago, I was in very bad life at my young age, by amazing circumstances, I met up with Jake and the guy started talking to me about God. For the first time I thought, what are you talking to me? I don't believe in this. I was like in the darkness, but in this darkness, God finds me. It's hard sometimes, but I think to walk with Jesus, to accept Jesus and to do His will is very perfect and I think I'm ready for, to get baptized. Father, I want to thank you for a precious moment. I want to thank you for a precious young man. I want to praise you for the way that you break into lives and completely cut across what we are thinking and what we are doing and bring about the most amazing redemption. I want to praise you for the power of the gospel. I want to praise you for the power of the Holy Spirit, which genuinely changes us. And so because of the profession of your faith, I want to baptize you in the name of the Father who loves you, in the name of the Son who has given His life for you, in the name of the Holy Spirit who wants to empower you, even now, wants to empower you freshly. In Jesus' name, I baptize you. an incredible video that and just an incredible story, Silver's story. And um, 
he'll tell you his story. It's been tough. Um, it's been hard at times, uh, and it still continues to be tough at times, but he'll tell you um, that something has changed forever. He was in darkness, and now he's in the light. He had no hope, and now he has hope. As we look at our scripture this morning in Ephesians 2, there's a section that says, we were without, uh, without God and without hope in this world. And as I interacted with Silva, that is where he was until he came to Jesus, became adopted into God's family. And as he did that beautiful act last Sunday of declaring to us and to all the powers and the principalities that he is a son of God. He's one of the members of our church family. He's part of us. And it's just a beautiful act. And so just huge celebration with Silva as he was baptized last Sunday. Um, so I'm here this morning at um, Charles' uh, group in his home, and awesome to be here with you guys, and um, with the two tech experts here, uh, Charles and Jakobus, uh, running the streaming, so shout out to you and Nicole. Um, and I'd just love to pray as we get started out this morning, um, and we get stuck into our Ephesians part two. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence with us here this morning. Wherever we sit around Stellenbosch, thank you, Spirit, that you are not limited to one place, but you are present with your people. So we praise you and we welcome you here this morning. We pray that your word would come and fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so what a beautiful demonstration Silver's story is of one hopers filling Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Christ. And we're going to see that in our Ephesians chapter 2 um, sermon this morning. We're going to see, uh, it speaks about the two being made one. And if you know anything about Silver's story, the odds of him coming to be part of our community and coming to be part of One Hope uh, Stellenbosch are like so remote. He speaks a different language. He comes from a different country, from a different culture. Um, he was busy with a different career. He didn't know anyone who was part of One Hope prior to him meeting students on that student camp that one day, sorry, on that student outing the one day. And yet, God brought him into family and gave him hope and changed his life because of the life-changing hope and life that Jesus brings in the gospel. And so I just want to commend everyone who's played a role in bringing hope into Silver's life. And he would say the very same if he was here, wherever he is this morning, in whichever group he's part of. So just praise God for that. What a wonderful moment. What we're going to do this morning is I'm just going to catch us up very briefly on what we covered in part one of the Ephesians series. That was eight sermons long. I'm sure you'll remember it if you were with us. We've had a little break of three weeks, and now we're jumping into part two. Over a period of about a year and a bit, we're going to work through the whole of Ephesians uh, verse by verse. Um, and now we're jumping into the second section of that series. Um, firstly, a, first sh a huge shout out to Paul and Sarah and Riley for just preaching so well in part one. And it's such a, a joy as a church to be able to preach right through a book of the Bible and what an awesome book uh, Ephesians is. And so we're busy with that. And I just want to also give another shout out to Amanda, uh, Amanda Mavro. She's been doing those awesome illustrations you would have seen every week in the newsletter if you've been reading that of kind of highlights uh, of each of the sermons each week. And what she's done also is uh, put together one of those for um, our first part of the Ephesians series. And so I quickly want to walk us through that to give us a little recap of what we did in Ephesians uh, part one of the sermon series, and then we're going to dive right in this morning and get kickstarted with Ephesians and the part two. 
So here we go. It should be on your screen. Okay, it's not on your screen yet. Let's give it a moment. And then we'll walk through it. It will also be sent out in the newsletter again this week, so you'll be able to work through it. Um, so let's give that a second. Okay, there it is. Awesome. Cool, so let's work through that, guys. And um, you'll see, uh, if you look uh, top left and you follow, it's kind of like a journey. Um, and goes from number one to number eight. It's a lot of information if you look at it all at once. But I'm going to work through from left to right, uh, from part one to part eight, very, very briefly. Uh, so in part one, if you see there, what we did is we dived into the context of Ephesians. Crucial when you read any book of the Bible is to get context. Where is it from? Where does it start? Who wrote it? Who's it written to? What's it about? And so that's what we did in part one. And then we looked at part two and we saw the blessings that people, that we receive in Christ. And it was just a, a whole attitude of praise towards Christ. Then part three, we looked at God's master plan, his plan from eternity past to eternity future to unite all things in him under Christ and uh, bring a unity uh, of faith and a people towards himself. So that's his master plan number three. Then number four, Sarah took us into looking at our identity in Christ, being who we truly are in Christ, adopted, forgiven, chosen, his loved ones. Riley took us uh, the next week into kind of opening our eyes to see the incredible hope that we have, the future that we have in Christ as his church. As well, of the as well as the value that we have in God. We are his inheritance, his chosen people. And then lastly, the power which transitioned us into week six, the power that we have by God's Holy Spirit in us. Week six, we looked at the power of God demonstrated in the resurrection of Christ, crucial to our Christian life and to all Christianity, the power of the resurrection. That took us into week seven where we looked at the beauty of the power of the resurrection displayed in lives as God takes dead things and makes them alive again. As the power of the resurrection comes and rescues us and takes dead people as we were in our sin and makes us alive in Christ. And then week eight, which was the last um, sermon of part one. We looked at the power of the resurrection to bring dead relationships between people and make them alive, to bring two people and make them one. And we're going to continue that theme this morning. So this morning we're transitioning from our part one Ephesians series of In Christ to part two, which is the church has a future. So if you link those two together, you'll see in our artwork, very beautifully done by the, uh, the guys who've put that all together. Thank you so much. But you'll see the section we're jumping into this week, uh, from this week onwards for the next eight weeks in our sermon series is the church has a future. So you put them into, uh, together. It's in Christ, the church has a future. In Christ, the church has a future. I'm going to say that many times this morning, so it really drives home. And that's also the title for my sermon this morning. In Christ, the church has a future has a future. And so I don't know about you, but if you've been around South Africa and looking at the events that have been happening in the past few weeks, certainly for me, and I'm sure for you, a lot of emotions have been stirred upright. I don't know what those emotions are for you. Some of them might be fear or, or anxiety or feeling overwhelmed or like, what do we do? Or, or, or Lord, like this is so hectic. Maybe feeling a bit hopeless. Um, as I've looked on, and I'm sure the same for you as well, as you looked on at the scenes of what's been happening around us, uh, taxi violence, looting, all these hectic things, I've just looked on with shock and sadness. It's hectic, and it's crazy. I remember two weeks ago, we were in a prayer meeting uh, with some advanced partnering churches in KwaZulu-Natal. 
uh, just a powerful prayer meeting, praying for uh, the people of KZN where a lot of the looting and stuff happened, as we know. And uh, the one pastor was sharing as we were busy with this uh, prayer meeting. And um, he said this thing which really stuck out to me. He said when he was there in the area where they live, just south of, of Durban, he realized how paper thin the racial reconciliation is in our country. And what he said is he saw an incident which happened, and he happened to be privy and kind of part of it, where 100 Zulu impis, that Zulu warriors, had come from the rural areas, had come into town to come and protect the local ShopRite store. And what had happened is as they were coming in, they met with a whole lot of uh, mostly men who were protecting their neighborhoods with barricades and weapons. And as these two groups of people interacted, there was nearly a terrible bloodbath, but for the grace of God, where somebody intervened and came and helped these two groups of people realize they were actually on the same mission with the same agenda to protect their towns and their neighborhoods. And so when we hear about incidents like this and stories like this, and I'm sure you can think of many others that have been happening in the last few weeks, emotions are stirred up. It's like, Lord, what is going on? What hope is there for our nation when there's so much racial tension, when there's just stuff like poverty is just gripping, when, when justice just doesn't seem to prevail time and time again? What hope is there for people to ever see eye to eye and to be brought back together and to work with one another. It can easily feel really hopeless and overwhelming. Those emotions just bubble right up, especially when we have these uh, just crazy incidents and situations and circumstances happening in our very own country, close to home, closer to home for some than others, but close to home for all of us, and we can feel helpless. Now, I've been asking myself the question, I'm sure you have been too, what do we do? What can we do? How can we change this? How can we help? How can we bring hope into a hopeless situation? We don't have much political sway, most of us, many of us, not much money or influence or any of those sorts of things. So what hope is there for our country? What hope is there for our town and our nation? There were two groups of people in Bible times who really didn't get along. They hated one another, passionately hated one another. The, the hatred went deep, deep into their personal and national identity. It was a long history of hatred. These two groups of people were the Jews and the Gentiles. We've been learning about them as we've read through Ephesians, a book that is written by Paul, a Jew, to the um, Gentiles in Ephesus. And there were many reasons for this hatred that they had for one another, these two different people groups, but it was deep. And there really seemed to be no hope for these two people groups of ever seeing eye to eye, of ever coming together and being made one, and of ever, ever being able to call one another friends. Now, Paul the Apostle this morning, he writes uh, to the Ephesians, and we're going to see it in our text this morning. We're going to dive in there in a moment. And he tells them that this impossibility is actually possible. This impossibility of reconciliation and people walking together and being friends, which seemed impossible for the Jews and the Gentiles, it is actually possible. And so let's dive right in into Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11 to verse 18. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version, the NIV. 
And um, yeah, you can open there or you'll see it on the screen. And let's read together. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. That is what the Gentiles were. Those who are non-Jews, if you're a non-Jew, you're sitting here, I don't imagine there are many Jews, ethnic Jews listening. We were without hope and without God in the world. This beautiful word, verse 13, but now in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Praise God. Praise God for that. Verse 14, for he himself, that's Jesus, is our peace, who made the two groups one. That's a key little phrase for us this morning. He made the two groups one, Jews and Gentiles one. Black and white, one. Afrikaans and English, one. Zulu and Klosa, one. He has made the two groups one in Christ and brought us peace. He destroyed, uh, carrying on there, he has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to cre- create in himself one humanity out of the two. Do we get that? One out of the two, someone shared a great illustration last week. Maybe it was Paulo. But if you think of making bread, you think it's water, flour, eggs, salt, whatever else you put in. But before those are all separate, you put them into one cons- uh, mixture and make bread. You cannot tell them apart. They are part of one beautiful, freshly baked loaf of bread. I wish I could have a freshly baked loaf of bread right now. So, but the point is the two or the three or the four, whatever, have become one. And Christ alone makes that possible. He is the hope for our world through the local church. I'm getting sidetracked. Let me carry on with the, the text. By setting aside in his flesh, this is verse 15, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Verse 16. And in one body, that's Christ, to reconcile both them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Sure, man, is there a lot of hostility in our world between people groups? It's crazy. Nations, hostility is rough. Verse 17. Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We both, no matter who you are, we both, we all, through Jesus, by the Spirit, have access to the one Father. Because of Christ Jesus, what he has done on the cross, summary uh, point here for those, all those verses, because of what Christ has done on the cross, we all have access to the Father by one spirit. Because of Jesus, we all have access. Two, three, four, five, however many divisions between people you could number can become one because of Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. And now you'll notice this morning, we're going to pause in a moment to ask a question in your group, so get ready for that. 
But you'll notice this morning we're covering the very same scripture that uh, Paul, not Paul the Apostle who wrote the scripture, our Paul Houghton, covered in the part eight of uh, the first part of um, the Ephesians series. And the reason for that is Paul unpacked a lot more of the scripture, the division between people, between Jew and Gentile. I'd love to take it from a bit of a different angle this morning and bring a specific application to us from this text. And you've probably got an idea of what that is. The two becoming one, the church being formed, the church has a future. So just before we dive in a bit more into that, I'd love us to pause as a group and just talk about this question together. Here it is. It should pop up on the screen now. Share some examples in your life, um, sorry, in your own life and in the world around us of sworn enemies or people you could just never imagine to be reconciled with. So just share some examples now. We just give it three or four minutes. Some examples of sworn enemies, people you could never see uh, coming together and becoming ones or becoming friends again. Okay. Awesome, guys. I'm sure we came up with many examples. There's obviously the political rivals of all. It seems like everyone is enemies with um, the Israelites <laughs> over the years. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's some personal examples you could think of as well of just this hostility, this broken down relationships, this uh, divide between people. And it cuts along many different lines, right? Race, socioeconomic, language, nationality, education, temperament, um, this family, that family. It can cut across many, many different lines um, when these divisions come and are formed um, between us. So as we've seen, I just want to link us back into uh, part one of Ephesians again. As we've seen this kind of theme unpacking of the power, or the greatness of the power of God, we saw it in him uh, in, 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 chapter, in chapter one, verse 19 and onwards. We saw the power of the resurrection in Christ raising, uh, God raising Christ from the dead. Then um, jumping into chapter two, we saw how God raises spiritually dead people back to life. That's each one of us. If you're a Christ follower, that's what he's done in us. And now we're looking at how the power of God raises spiritually dead uh, groups of people back to life and brings a unity of a people underneath him. And so there are many divisions among us, as we know. Uh, I mentioned them just a moment ago. And the beauty of, of the way God's made us is he has made us different, each of us, deliberately on purpose. And there's nothing wrong with difference. Difference, in fact, can be beautiful and can be a really wonderful thing. The issue comes, as we know, is when those differences or divisions are made into barriers or obstacles in the way of one another. And this is powerfully demonstrated in our scripture this morning in verse 14. Just a wonderful visual illustration where Jesus says that, or Paul writes that Jesus has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That's what he's done. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, between two people groups who passionately hated one another. And remember, Paul um, Hudson told us about that and he explained that to us. These groups of people hated one another and Jesus has broken that down. And that wall, as we heard about it also, was a literal physical wall around the temple between where the Jews could go and where the Gentiles could be. And this reminds me of that, of that picture that you'll often see in your history studies in 1989 where the Berlin Wall came down and the east and west of Germany will now be able to reunite and form a, uh, be a proper nation again. And it just reminds me of that, how that was broken down and it brought two people back together. And that's what Jesus does. 
He breaks down the dividing wall of hostility between groups of people and brings unity in him in the church. That's what Jesus' death and resurrection has done. That is what he enables and empowers. There is no hope for our world. There's no hope for unity, for restoration of people groups outside of Jesus. We just know we're too different. We can't get over ourselves. We're too prideful. We're too on our own agenda. We just cannot see eye to eye with others except for the hope and life that Jesus brings through his death and resurrection. And so that's what Jesus has done, formed his church to bring hope into our world, to bring peace to mankind. He formed his church by making one out of the two. And that is his great master plan, right? We learned that in Ephesians chapter 1, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The opposite of division, unity. That's what Jesus does. It's powerful, and that's been his story and his master plan throughout the ages. Praise God that we don't have to live in wars and divisions forever. And one day it'll all be over when Jesus returns. But even in this life, we can start experiencing some of the tastes and the beauty of unity and coming together and being united under Christ. So what is the hope for the world then? What is the hope with all these tensions, with the taxi violence, with the looting, with the craziness of tension between nations, with our own personal relationships that are maybe strained and all these things? What's the hope? The hope is Christ through his church. That's it. The hope is Christ through his church. Who's his church? Us, followers of Jesus together in community. That is his church, and we are the hope of the world. That's pretty crazy if you think of it, right? Church, you, me, us, but God, like, you know us. We're the hope. Like, you want to bring hope through us to to all this craziness that's around us? Yes. God says yes, a resounding yes. That's why Jesus died and rose again, that you can be united to me and you can bring reconciliation and hope between others, between you and others. And that's what happens when Jesus gets into us. He starts overflowing from us and we start seeing the hope and life and beauty of his reconciliation playing out through our lives. And the beauty of the hope that Christ brings is it's sure, it's lasting, it's eternal. Riley helped us to see that a few weeks back. This is a hope that doesn't fade or change because it's not based on us, it's based on Jesus and he is forever and he is unchanging. And so the hope that we get in Christ is not based on our circumstantial realities. Many people around us live in terrible circumstances. If they have Jesus, they have a sure hope that is not shaped by circumstance. Even each of us, we might be those people who have some tough situations and circumstances at this point. Jesus is our sure hope in those moments. In Christ, the church has a future. That's the title of our message this morning. That's what I'm going to keep drumming home. And you know what? Because in Christ, the church has a future, it means the world has a hope. That's it. The world has a hope because of the church. There is nothing else. There's no other institution that's ever been created that is going to bring the hope that the church will bring an eternal and lasting hope to our world. And I know the church is stuffed up. I know we've done stuff stupidly. I know it's made up of us, right? 
bruises, warts and all, but yet Jesus still says, you guys are going to bring a hope to the world. You guys are the hope for the world because you have me and I am with you and I am the head of the church. You will bring hope. How cool is that? Incredible. That means that each year, you and I, we have a super valuable role to play in our town, in our families, in our schools, wherever we find ourselves, in our offices, in our workplace, we have a super valuable role to play because we are the hope carriers. No one else is. Christ followers, the local church, is the hope carriers. We bring hope to our world. There is no hope outside of Christ. Every other hope is fleeting, is short-lived, is unsustainable, will die, will fail, and will end, but not the hope that we have in Jesus. How awesome is that, eh? So ongoing taxi violence going on around us in neighborhoods, uh, taxi gangs fighting and warring against each other, affecting thousands of South Africans in Christ, the church has an answer. Children in Clutusville that we work with experiencing things that children should never experience in Christ, the church has an answer. Rising and gripping levels of mental health struggles among our people, In our nation, in Christ, the church has an answer. Living in a world of increasing tensions among nations, um, among people groups, even in our own selves and in our own uh, circles in Christ, the church has an answer. answer. Guys, I'm not saying we're perfect. We don't get it right every time. But there is no hope outside of Christ. And he has commissioned us to be his hope carriers to the world. We have a really important role to play. I vividly remember um, just a few years ago driving through Kayamandi and having this overwhelming sense of hopelessness. Incredible people live in Kayamandi in the most atrocious conditions, conditions that no human should have to live in. Vulnerable women and children, poverty and just daily struggle for the basic necessities of life. And I remember just feeling overwhelmed by emotion as I drove through Kaimandi thinking, Lord, how do these things change? Where is the hope for this place? And not just for Kaimandi, that's a small image of the rest of our nation. I thought, God, what can I do to help you? So many people have tried, so many things have happened, economic policies, political parties, this, that, and the next thing, and it just doesn't seem to have brought proper change, like eternal, lasting hope and change. And as I was driving, God just whispered in my ear, the power of the gospel of Jesus shared through his local church is the only true hope that will bring change to Kaimandi, that will bring change to our country, that will bring change to every community, lasting change. And why? Because the gospel brings eternal, lasting, unchanging hope into the depths of a person's soul that nothing can take away or shape or change. And as it works itself deep into us, it starts working out and overflowing from us. And many of you would have experienced that in your lives. And it starts changing the way we relate to others. It starts bringing a wholeness to relationships with changes towns and changes cities, person by person. And that is the hope, not just for Kaimani, but for every single neighborhood in this town and in our nation. It's the hope of Jesus proclaimed through the good news about his death, life, death, and resurrection. 
in Christ, the church has a future, which means the world has a hope. So the question is then, and we've touched on it a few times, why us? <laughs> why us, Lord? You know us, the, ch- the church warts and all, you know us, Lord. Why us? And the reason is because Christ is in us and we are in him. And we need to share him. He's given us peace with himself, which translates into peace with others. That's what our scripture highlighted this morning. He's given us peace with himself. It says he came and proclaimed peace to us for those who are far away and those who are near. And so because we have peace with God, we can have peace with one another. And that's the hope that our world needs, right? Just imagine. Imagine every single individual got on with one another, could consider one another friends, was lacquer with one another, kind, gracious. Would we have the issues we have? I mean, that's a very simple answer. It's a rhetorical question. Of course not. But the only way that happens is when Jesus comes and changes hearts, and we know that for ourselves to be true. When we're filled with bitterness or anger or unforgiveness, the only thing that changes that is Jesus coming and helping us to change that, the power of the gospel at work in us. So why has God called us to be his hands and feet, to be agents of change, to bring um, hope into our world? Because he has chosen in his sovereign will to call out a people for himself. The beauty is that all are invited into this plan. Everyone is welcome into his family to be part of this mission with Jesus. That's all, everyone, excluding nobody. No matter what difference or divide we have, all have been invited. And in a world where cancel culture is, is the, the thing of the day, you know, fighting for pride of place on social media or kind of trying to promote our own selfish agenda or our own kind of brand, you know, and kind of subtly or sometimes not so subtly kind of looking down on others and trying to be superior, prove our worth in the world. The church is different. The church is no special exclusive club that we kind of pay fees to be part of. Okay, we do pay a fee. That's our entire lives given and submitted to Jesus. That's the only fee we pay. No other fees. But it's not an exclusive club. Everyone is welcome. We're family, adopted by God into his family. Remember, with adoption, it's not the kids who choose who they want to be adopted. It's the father who chooses. He has chosen us, which doesn't make us special. It makes him incredible and gracious there's no room for us to brag guys church me us there's no room for us to brag or sit on some high horse and feel superior the church of the age has made this mistake many times he has chosen us by his sovereign will and grace not because we're awesome but because he is we have no high horse to sit on and so the only thing we have to boast in is the gospel of jesus and his grace in saving us nothing else and so that's why in the church in Christ, through the church, the world has hope because anyone can come. And that's where we find peace with him and with one another. And so we are the hope of the world. And this may sound like an arrogant statement, you know, like pat ourselves on the back, you know, oh, aren't we awesome? Look at us. Uh, let's not delude ourselves, guys. We're not. Christ is our savior. He's the savior of the world. And he's graciously given us this privilege of partnering with him hand in hand and seeing his life-changing, world-changing agenda and purposes being fulfilled in this world. So let's do that one hope. Let's be his hope carriers. 
Let's partner with them in bringing change into our world. We have an exceptionally valuable role to play in our communities, in our homes, wherever we find ourselves. We have an exceptionally valuable role to play. My question to you is, do you truly believe that? One hope, let's be hope bringers, hope changers. And can I just add to that, I already know that many of us are doing this. I already know that many of us are already being hope changers. Can I tell you how I know that? Here's one small example, Silver. We watched his baptism video earlier. Silver is an incredible example like this, and he'll tell you the same thing. His story is littered with regular one-hopers being hope carriers into his life. Many of us being hope carriers into his life. Individuals, just regular individuals, just in some small, or some of us massive ways, bringing hope into the life of silver, and you see a life changed forever. Can I tell you the secret? The way that we bring hope into our town, into our world, is one life at a time. I just want to highlight that. The way that we bring hope is one life at a time. That simple, just one life at a time. And so in Christ, the church has a future and the world has a hope. And so let's make this practical, guys. How do we actually be hope carriers? How do we be hope carriers to a world? How do we bring the power uh, of the resurrection, the resurrection life of Christ into our world, into the places where we find ourselves? And I, do, I know, I confess, this can be really difficult because we don't see often, often, we don't see change sort of quickly happening as we just go about trying to uh, do our best to follow Jesus, empowered by his spirit, loving on others, praying, doing the thing. We just don't see it ch stuff changing, right? And that's why these te um, baptism testimonies are so powerful because like, oh wait, Lord, you are at work. You do bring change. You are incredible. Your hope is going out and it is bringing genuine life change. And so thank you, uh, Charles, for putting that video together. Thank you, Silver, for just coming and being baptized in this family. Praise God. He is bringing change through us. But often it's difficult to know and to believe and to act as, as hope changes because we don't see the change that God brings coming all that often uh, sometimes. Anyway, let's look at a few ideas on how we can be hope carriers. And I just want to go out with a disclaimer. Guys, these are not complicated things. Anyone who's a Christ follower can do them. They are simple but this is the ordinary means of grace. Some people call it that. The ordinary means of grace that God uses to bring change in us and to bring change through us to the world. First one, humble ourselves before God. I think we might have a bit of a list there. Humble ourselves before God. Secondly, slow down to be with Jesus. This is a whole lot of ideas. We're not going to spend too long on each of them. Share your testimony with others. Pray for others ongoingly. Be kind to your neighbor. I said these were going to be simple. They really are. Eh? Serve others whenever you get the opportunity. Give away your resources freely. And ultimately and most importantly, what truly brings hope is sharing the good news of Jesus with others. Those are just a few ideas, guys. And I know it feels overwhelming and it's a lot of stuff to do, but I bet you're already doing a lot of these things in your daily routines. And if you aren't, these are simple things to start doing. Really simple. I tell you a prayer I pray every day. Lord, I humble myself before you. Simple prayer I pray every day. I don't want the Lord to humble me, right? So I'm going to humble myself before him. Uh, simple thing you can do every day. Being kind 
to a neighbor, a simple smile, a greeting, a small little gift, being freely giving with your resources. But I don't have resources. Yes, you do. You've got time. You've got skills. You've got talents. You've got prayers you can pray. And some of you have money. We can be freely giving. We're generous people. And that was demonstrated as we gave away a whole lot of clothes just the other day to people in need. Guys, these are simple things we can do, and they bring true hope and change into our town. Ongoing tasks, things we can do, things that we're already doing as Christ followers that truly bring hope. And so I want to encourage us each, pick one or two of these and run with them. Maybe you just need to slow down to be with Jesus. You're running at full pace. Your life is so filled with stuff. My encouragement is slow down so you can be with Jesus. Truly be with him. Connect with him. Be deep with him. That's a challenge in my own life. And I speak that to my very self this morning. Slow down, Bates, to be with Jesus. If you're listening in this morning and you're a little skeptical on this whole Jesus thing and... Um, you know, uh, I just want to congratulate him for making this far in the sermon, by the way. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> uh, but I also want to say that maybe the reason you're skeptical is because you had a friend. And they, in some kind of bumbling way, fumbled along trying to share the good news about Jesus with you. And I want to tell you that, may, uh, that uh, maybe that's the source of your skepticism. You're like, is this really true? I mean, come on. What, what is this even? I want to tell you that that friend more than likely was just sincerely trying to, tr trying to share the love that they experienced in Jesus with you. The most incredible love you could ever have. They were trying to share it in words. And perhaps they were bumbling and stumbling a little bit. I want us to almost close. I'm going to say one more thing and then share a story and then we closed. This is an actionable point that I want to give to each of us, especially if you're a one hoper this morning that I'd really love us to write down. I'm going to give us a chance to do that. One simple actionable idea, a starting point. Remember, a starting point to the two becoming one in our lives. The two, the separations, those uh, difficulties you might have with others being broken down in Christ so that the two can become one and bringing hope into our world that way. Here's the point. This is what I'd love us each to do this week. Think of one person or maybe more, but think of one person that you have a grievance with. Something has gone wrong. Something has caused division or separation. Something has caused a bitterness and, and, and not like a taste in your mouth. Think of one person like that. Then this is a bit of a bold challenge, but I encourage you to do it. Tell someone you trust about that grievance. You don't have to share every detail, but tell someone you trust about that, that something, whatever happened, that grievance. And then what I'd love you to do is pray with that person that by God's grace you would forgive the person you have the grievance with. So list someone you have a grievance with, tell someone else about it, then with that person you told about it, pray to forgive the person you have the grievance with. It's a simple thing, a simple actionable thing. I told you these things are not complicated. We can just do simple things that bring true hope into our world, and it starts with us, and it goes out from us one person at a time. So I'll give you a moment to write that down, and then I'd love to close with a story. In closing this morning, I would love to just share a story uh, that powerfully demonstrates the hope that Christ brings into our world, that he brings true hope and true peace. 
and that we can then be those who bring true hope and true peace. So I had the joy of going on a, um, with all the men in my work team, in my um, company, on a three-day hike. Some of you might know the story, but on a three-day hike in the Drakensberg a few months ago. Uh, it was a character challenge hike, three, about 300 men participating, so a whole lot of us. It was really tough, uh, and it had kind of the strong overarching theme of um, manhood, uh, Christian manhood, uh, being kind of Christian men. And um, I remember it was the second morning we were sitting on this stunning hillside, grassy hillside. If you know the Drakensberg, it's just stunning, grassy hillside, and this kind of crisp morning air and looking up at the Giant's Castle mountain race. Just this stunning, picturesque, beautiful moment. And there was this incredible moment I'll never forget. Um, the leader of the hike called up these two gentlemen to the front uh, as we were sitting there, us 300 men. Um, two older men, he called them up to the front. And they kind of embraced each other arm in arm as they stood up there in front. And the leader of the camp or, or of the hike proceeded to explain um, the terrible past, sorry, he proceeded to explain uh, the terrible South African past and how these two individuals had kind of been part of that. Now, the one individual who was standing there, this older gentleman, had been uh, a military general leader in Mkonte Wesizwe, which was the military right-wing arm of the ANC at the time. And the other gentleman who was standing there uh, had been a military general in the Wehrmacht, which was the old um, government's military, essentially. And uh, if you know anything about our history, you realize, as I say that, it kind of sounds flippant, but you realize the gravity of this moment, of these two individuals who were sworn enemies. They should never have even had a thought to see eye to eye ever again or forgive one another or stand side by side in any circumstance or scenario. Yet these two men were standing there arm in arm, serving Jesus together, serving with one another, serving all of us together on that hike, arm in arm, tears in their eyes, genuinely caring for one another, restoration, the two becoming one right before my eyes. These men sat side by side in the pews in their local church, loving one another, serving together, sworn enemies at a time, now one under God, people of God, united in Christ, serving him together with purpose, bringing hope and life to those 300 men on that hike and bringing hope and life of Christ well beyond that, I'm sure, through their lives to others. Just this beautiful demonstration of the fact that in Christ, the church has a future, which means that the world has a hope. Allow us to stand together as we close in prayer together. Can we all stand together wherever you are, in your lounge or in your groups or listening in online, wherever you are? I'm going to pray two prayers this morning. The first one is for you if you're listening in this morning and you'd like to join God's family. You'd like to become a follower of Jesus and be united to him. I'm going to pray and you can just pray along under your breath with me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way for me to be your friend, to be reunited to you, to be made right with God forever. And right now, I repent of my sin. I turn away from that and I turn to you, Jesus. Thank you that you save me, that you've saved me, that you have brought me back from death to life. 
and that even right now I become one of your adopted children, a part of your family. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And then I'd love us to pray for Christians this morning. If you are a Christ follower and you've been following him, I want to pray for courage in our bones to be hope carriers, to be those who actually go out and bring hope into our world in whatever way, small or big, we go and do what Jesus has commissioned us to do as his church. Let's pray together. You can pray along with me. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you love us. God, fill us with courage. Fill us with your Holy Spirit to go and be hope bringers to our world. To go and be, uh, go and be hope carriers into our work, into our home, into our friendships, into our families. God, help us to be what you have called us to be, the church in our world, bringing hope where there's no hope. We love you, God. We praise you. Thank you that you call us to mission with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, guys. What a wonderful morning together. I just want to remind us that what we do as One Hopers is we fill Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Christ. And that's what we've been talking about this morning. That's what God's called this church to do. And that's what we do as One Hopers. We go out and we fill Stellenbosch with the hope and life of Christ. I want to commission you to do that this week. God bless you and have a wonderful morning. You can close with communion together, just reminding ourselves of this wonderful union we have with Christ, this wonderful way that he broke of himself and gave to us. And we're called to break of ourselves and give to others. So share communion together in your groups and just close with a, close with a time of prayer. Cheers, guys. Have a great morning. We'll see you next week as we continue our Ephesians series.